Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Which Kelly are you? Edward. People call me Ned. I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Mad Max 2. It's my kind of movie. Shut up! Shut up! Your friend can't come back, Sarge. Oh, he's disabled. I'm this carer. You're blind. He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip-hop anymore. Hey folks and welcome to another episode of The Curb. My name is Andrew Pearce and this is a podcast that takes a look at Australian films, culture and a whole bunch more. This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation and I pay respects to the elders both past, present and emerging. On this particular episode I catch up with Australian, well actually he's Kiwi, filmmaker JJ Winlove whose film June Again came out earlier in the year and uh, got a lot of critical acclaim and support and I particularly love that film. And yet, at the Sydney Film Festival, launching on the 6th of November, Saturday 6th of November, that is tomorrow, as well as playing on Saturday the 13th of November, is his interactive cinema experience called Crossing Paths, which is a, it's a really fascinating experience where effectively what JJ has created is an interconnected, audience-driven narrative where 12 different characters who are all associated to one another in certain different ways have their stories told out and the audience who will be sitting there watching it at the Sydney Film Festival get to decide how the narrative will progress. Each screening is going to be different and each experience is going to be a little bit unique and how you approach and engage with the characters is going to be different and unique and interesting. Uh, One character is associated with another who is associated with another who rolls back and is associated with the first one that you met. And so you gradually learn about these characters as you go along. And yet the manner that the audience is uh, joining in with the film really changes how they experience and how they uh, understand who these characters are. In this particular interview with JJ, we dig into how this particular narrative of Crossing Paths was created, how it was made. Uh, I also touch on what it means to be an Australian filmmaker, which gets an interesting answer for him, because him, as I mentioned, he's actually from New Zealand. So the perspective that he gets to see Australia and Australian film is different than what most Australian filmmakers might get to see. And then also, I couldn't help but ask him about working on June again, which again is one of the better Australian films of the year. Highly recommend seeing that if you haven't. Once again, this is going to be screening at the uh, Palace Central Cinema One, I believe it is, uh, over in uh, Sydney Film Festival. 
Saturday 6th of November at 6.30, Saturday 13th of November at 8.30 p.m. I believe that tickets are already sold out, so unfortunately, if you're listening to this and you're keen on checking it out, uh, you're just going to have to keep an eye out and see if uh, if it appears at future festival uh, screenings, because I think that this is certainly one that you want to enjoy with an audience and get to see and, and chat about who chose what. What narrative thread pe- did people choose? This is Crossing Paths with J.J. Winlove. Let's get started um, chatting about your year to start off with, because you've had a pretty impressive year. Uh, it's, you know, most people are lucky to get one film out, and now you've got two films <laughs> out. So congratulations. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't planned that way, but it's quite, it's, it's great that it, it has turned out like that. Yeah. So I, I take it the Crossing Paths came first before June again. Well, they kind of happened... I, I put uh, Crossing Paths together in the in the middle of the process of making June again because there were some big big empty periods where we were kind of waiting for things to happen and, and I was getting a bit, you know, I don't like waiting for other people to make decisions because it's, you know, it's quite, um, uh, yeah, it's quite frustrating or can be. And so I, I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll use this time to do something else. And, and so that's when I launched into Crossing Paths. But, of course, as soon as I'd committed to that, that's when June again started happening. So then I had the two things happening kind of simultaneously for a little bit, which was tricky. <laughs> how, how did you manage that? How do you keep your, your head in the right space for each of them? Oh, it was tricky. I mean, uh, that was during the, the writing phase of, um, of June again. I had some uh, – I just received a bunch of notes from the producers. And so I, I had to let them know that there'd be a bit of a delay on, on me coming back with those because I'd already – you know, I literally just pressed the go button on crossing paths just as they got in touch. So – um, but they were they were great about it. That you know, I, I you know, I got it to them eventually, so it was all fine. But you know, it was a bit, bit tricky doing both at the same time. Yeah, I can imagine. So, mm. where did the idea come for crossing paths? Well, I was uh, um, I was sent that someone sent me a link to a uh, there was a thing in the US where if you pitched a, an interactive short film, you could there was a grant for ten thousand um, dollars for making an interactive film, and I, I'd never made anything interactive before and I didn't, didn't know a lot about it. I'd seen a few things. So I, I did a bit of research and I watched, you know, for a week I just watched every uh, interactive short film I could find. And at the end of the week I decided that actually this wasn't for me. You know, it was, I found that the medium a little bit, for me it was too much halfway in between a game and a, and a traditional movie. You know, it was kind of, a movie is very passive. You, you kind of lean back and a game is very active and you're very, involved whereas an interactive short film felt kind of stuck in between those two things and I think that's why and in, in my feeling that's why the medium has never really taken off in a, in a kind of ongoing way uh, so I didn't decide not to to submit for that grant but I had in the process of doing that this idea just kind of lodged in my head that I just couldn't stop thinking about and and that was you know what if it what if it wasn't a game you know what if what if it was just a, a way to explore um, a group of characters and, and the way they interact. And, and so there was no kind of right or wrong. There was no winning or losing. It was just a, a more of a, a tool for exploring rather than for trying to solve, you know, solve a mystery or, or kind of, you know, win, win some kind of challenge. Um, and, and when I thought of that, there's, there's a great film. It was one of my favourite films when I was um, a student, and it's, it's uh, one of Richard Linklater's first films called Slacker. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know that film? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the basic premise is that, you know, it follows one character, and it's, I think it's set in Austin, and, you know, that character will run into a couple of other people and they'll have a conversation. When they separate, the, char- the camera will stay with the people that that character's just met and then they'll meet some people and then it will stay with those people and on and on and on. And it, once you realise that's the format of the film, you just, you kind of, you know, you settle, settle in and really enjoy just this constant parade of, of all these crazy, interesting characters. And, and I've always loved that film. And I, you know, that, that tied in with the, you know, I thought what if a, there was an interactive version of that where you could decide you can stay with the same character or you can switch to this new character when they came along. And, and I just got really excited by that idea and I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. So eventually I just thought, well, the only way I can get it out of my head is to just make it. So. Yeah. And it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's, it's oh, quite right. interesting. Yeah. I, it feels, um, it feels decidedly Australian. Like I, I, I watched right. it last night and, it's funny when I watched it because uh, at work yesterday, somebody came up to me who I had met years and years and years ago. And they're like, are you friends with this person? And I'm like, yes. And then we kind of went down this whole rabbit hole of being connected. And, and that was, you know, it's, it, it kind of rung in my mind about how Australian, uh, well, how Australia works as a whole. Everybody mm. knows everybody. We're all interconnected. Yeah. And yeah. That's what I really enjoyed about this. It felt very, um, it felt uniquely Australian. And, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Was that, you know, how how important is that for you to kind of reflect Australia as a whole in, in your well, work? Um, what's interesting, because I'm, I'm a New Zealander, so I have a, a kind of, I moved over here in my early 20s, so I have a kind of um, a slight remove in, in my takeout of Australian people and culture and and so which i think is actually a good thing because you know a lot of the um i've always noticed a lot of the best photography that happens in a country is often taken by people from outside that country because there's a kind of a sense of remove that helps you to kind of um see what's unique about that that country or that culture and so new zealand and australia obviously are quite similar culturally i think but there are differences you know there's differences in the sense of humor and there's differences in the way we talk and um, and the general personality. So that's always been fascinating to me, the, the, um, the differences. And I think with Crossing Paths, it was a chance to kind of um, explore, you know, some of those different types of, of uh, Aussie characters that I've met along the way. Yeah. But now you're Australian. It's what happens with everybody who comes from a New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. come to Australia, we steal you, you become ours. <laughs> yeah, so true. So true. Yeah. Is there a fight, like, to kind of keep your New Zealand personality in Australian films in australian work is there well yeah yeah like it because of the fact i mean you think of like russell crowe of course who's now an honorary australian a lot of our big names are honorary australians and the eternal (laughs) argument about crowded house and things like that and it's like um you know how do you how do you maintain your new zealand roots in australia um well the i i mean the most obvious thing is my accent and i've always tried very hard to, to, you know, I, mean, I don't try to keep a New Zealand accent, but it's, you know, I've got three brothers and the moment I say something slightly with a slight Aussie twang, they, they, they pick up on it straight away. <laughs> um, so I've all, you know, I, I guess I've just kind of, and I, I go back to New Zealand, but, you know, pre-COVID I, I go back or I have been going back uh, regularly. Um, so that's a good way to just check in and, and measure my kind of cultural temperature and, and reset. Um, but, you know, I, I think they're so similar and, and um, I remember when I first moved to Australia, I just loved how much more forward 
uh, Australians were. And, and you just, you know, I got to know people so much more quickly than I, I would have in New Zealand. And I think, you know, New Zealand people are lovely, but it, they do take a bit longer to get to know. And, you know, uh, once you're in there, you're, you're fine. But, but uh, you know, I remember just meeting people so quickly here and it was, it was so much fun. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's, it is nice to hear that we can be nice people sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you go about writing Crossing Paths? How do you, like, do you have a, a pin board with, you know, things hanging up and connecting, you know, string hanging up and connecting people? Oh, together, that, yeah, or, that was, yeah. yeah, that was one of the trickiest phases of the, of working it all out. It was, um, the way I ended up doing it was I had a, a spreadsheet, actually. I, um, I'm not much of a spreadsheet person, but I ended up using excel or whatever it was and and building uh this very complicated matrix of different characters intersecting different points and because i wanted to make sure that each character ran into the right number of other characters and that no character ran into you know didn't run into anyone or or ran into too many people and so i had to it was you know just constantly moving pieces around in the spreadsheet to for weeks before i finally kind of got everything fitting in uh, in, a, in a way that felt kind of natural rather than forced. And, that, yeah. and then when I write the scripts, I had a similar problem with uh, how do I actually write, you know, because it's not a linear story, how do I write a non-linear script? Uh, and I ended up creating these kind of uh, interactive PDFs where you could, each time a character met, you could click on that, uh, on that part of the script and it would open up a different PDF that would, so I had a whole, you know, about, 40 different scripts that were all kind of interconnected through this matrix that I built. So it was a real headache, but uh, once I'd worked out a, a system, it was, it was actually kind of fun. So do you think it's something that you'll do again? Uh, I'd love to actually. It's funny. Sometimes, you know, after I finished the project, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. Again. You know, you just want to do something completely different. But um, I, I just think it's such a versatile engine you know that the system um it could be applied to so many different types of stories and so many different genres um and you know it could even be applied to an existing property you know um a one-off kind of interactive version of a show that people know really well um so i'm, I'm very excited about trying uh, to use that kind of system of, of interacting characters in it and applying it to a different kind of story i think that'd be uh, really interesting yeah and what what kind of excites you about the upcoming Sydney Film Festival like I, most filmmakers would want audiences to not look at their phone but that's an integral part of this you mm. know, having to vote on that so yeah what are you looking forward to with this well it's, it was interesting that the whole way that this came about in terms of the interactive the, um, so the, the system of the audience voting was kind of accidental in a way because the, when I first made it it was designed to just be on a computer with a single user and then we were planning our cast and crew screening and we were thinking, well, how are we going to, how's this going to work? And so we thought, well, why don't we create, you know, so we had a, 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 this idea and we had a little app built where you, a very simple kind of app where you tilt your phone left or right and that will um, register on a little website that, that a, the host has to see who, you know, which which way the, the story should go. Um, and so we, yeah, it was just a very basic little thing and we, and we, Got everyone in the audience, all the cast and crew, to download it onto their phones, and then I was the MC, uh, standing beside the screen with my laptop and the controls, and I was watching the numbers come in, and we didn't kind of know how it would play out, but it ended up being absolutely hilarious because I kind of ended up stirring up the audience. You know, when it was a, when it was neck and neck, when it was you know the same number of votes each way, I'd kind of prompt the audience to to change their mind, or you know, and the audience got very involved. It became very you know they got quite vocal and they'd start to kind of argue, you know, who, which way the story should go. 
and it became more of a show actually than than a kind of uh, you know the normal kind of dark room cinema experience and, and I got such great feedback afterwards everyone was buzzing there was a real energy that it created uh, as people got really invested in different characters and and uh, and so um, that was that yeah you know, that that just happened kind of as a as a accidental way of, of trying to work out how we'd show this to a group of people. Yeah, is that something that kind of drives you as a filmmaker to reinvigorate the cinematic experience? And I mean, we're so used to kind of going and watching a film and then going home, and that's about it. Whereas this feels like it is designed to encourage that discussion afterwards. Oh, what did you do at this point? What did you do here? And, and things like that. Does that drive you as a filmmaker? Uh, it, it fascinates me. I mean, I, I don't know if that'll be my kind of path of, of um, you know, I, I think it, it is a shame. I always think it's a shame when you watch a great movie and, with a group of friends and then you come out of the cinema and they're all, all like, all right, see you, I'm going home. And you're just like, ah, you know, you want to go and discuss the film, especially if it's a good film. And that's, to me, as much fun as the film itself, you know, that kind of level of discussion. And this this process of, of, of voting actually kind of it made it happen in the room as the film was, was showing. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, you make a good point. That's a, a really, um, it really does add a level of, um, another layer to, to the experience. I, I don't know how that could happen with a more linear type of film. So I guess, you know, um, and, you know, whether I, whether I become, you know, spend more of my time kind of developing interactive kind of films, I'm not sure because I still love the, the linear filmmaking process. But, yeah, if there was a way of kind of um, bringing some of that into traditional filmmaking, I would, you know, I'd love to explore that. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, for me, watching June again earlier in the year, which... I loved it. It's one of my favorite films of the year. And I oh. think part of what really resonated with me was obviously there is a personal aspect to that story for a lot of people who have gone through that same kind of thing uh, with a lot of people in the, in their family or friends or things like that. But specifically having somebody like Noni Hazelhurst, who is, you know, joining us along with that journey and getting a lot of us grew up with her on play school and have seen her on a lot of different things. And so getting to see her, her journey through that really, uh, you know, when I would go and talk to people about the film, it was a nice shorthand to be like, well, Noni Hazelhurst is in it. And they'd be like, you could see this flood of memories just kind of coming over them, washing over them. And it was just, it was that, that really nice communal aspect about it, which, I kind of miss sometimes with films because there is a nice uh, recognition of the value of iconic figures like Noni there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think in both ways, you've created really interesting community focused films that encourage a discussion uh, really, really well. So congratulations for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, with with Noni, I, I, you know, as I said, coming from New Zealand, I didn't, I didn't appreciate how, just how iconic and how beloved she was, you know, when, and almost any age group, you know, I tell anyone that, you know, that I was making a film with Noni Hazelhurst and, and like you say, they just, their eyes would light <laughs> up and they just get so excited. Whatever age they were, they, everyone has a special memory of Noni, whether it's from play school or from, from her, you know, more recent things. She, you know, and, and it, was, it was such a great um, facet of the film and, and not just the production phase but all the way through because, because of what she brought to it just for that reason. It became, she kind of, gave it that cultural, um, you know, attached it to Australian culture and, and made it an Australian film, as did, you know, Stephen Curry and, and Claudia Coven, because both of those have their own kind of, um, you know, cultural and baggage in terms of 
what what they've brought to you know Australian television and film. Mm. Well, I mean, when I interviewed Stephen earlier in the year, that's kind of that was one of the things which I mentioned to him. It was like he's Australia's brother from the castle and known his yeah. Australia's mum, and yeah. that kind of relationship, this this family, just felt so organic and real, mm-hmm. uh, which I really loved. And then, of course, Claudia from you know her work throughout the nineties and things like that, which. Yeah is this whole nostalgia aspect there. <laughs> uh, so as somebody who loves Australian film, it was really, it was quite a treat to to sit with that. How did you go about casting for Crossing Paths as well? What was the kind of pitch that you gave to actors uh, when they were given the script? Well, the, the good thing about it, I guess, was that it was such an unusual proposition, you know, and I think that's what captured, you know, that's what fascinated people about it was, you know, when I told them what I was trying to do and, uh, I approached it very much as an experiment. You know, I said, look, I don't know if this is going to work, but I um, I obviously hope it does, and I think it will be exciting. Whatever, you know, whatever happens, it will be really interesting to to, um, to try it. And I think, you know, just um, – and also because it's so character-driven, you know, there's, there's 12 characters, and I think in most stories you have a, a protagonist or a main character who, who has most of the kind of focus of the film. But with this, it was – necessarily every every one of the 12 characters has to, it's like they have their own film that that then crosses into other people's films but each of them you know there's no there's no central characters no they're all completely even in terms of their kind of um, presence in the in the story so I think that was also appealing practice as well that they had their own character that they could own throughout the whole piece mm. uh, yeah everybody kind of has a moment to shine and it's mm it's quite interesting to see how your interaction with one character flows into the next. I mean, I've only watched it the once, but I'm curious because of the way that it's set up, that the narrative will flow into one another and Mm. how you feel about these characters. You know, the first time you meet them, it might be completely different. And so that is really fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of the things I I got excited about the idea is, you know, this whole thing of uh, first impressions, you know, if you meet somebody, uh, you know, if they come up to you on the street and start talking to you, you'll have one impression of them. Whereas if you meet them through a friend or something, you know, you'll, you'll have a completely different first impression of them. And so uh, with with this story, you know, it starts randomly. It will randomly pick a different character to, to start with. So each person, you know, each time the story starts, you the, the audience will have a different kind of impression of each of the characters based on, on how they encountered them, whether it was the beginning or halfway through the story. Um, and, and that you know, that kind of mirrored my, my experience. I think everyone's experience of, of encountering people uh, mm. in life. You know? Yeah. What kind of discussions did you have with the actors about that? I mean, usually they would get a script that is, you know, beginning, middle and end. And here it's, as you're saying, you've got this PDF where they click certain ways and things like that. But how did you, how did you discuss that with them that the audience's perception of their character now might be different later on? Um, I mean, that was kind of something that was that was inherent in the in the, the way it was set up. I mean, I think what for me it, it seemed like this kind of very complicated mosaic of different different characters all meeting. But I, I think for them, they were able to just focus on their character and just follow you know the half a day of of um, story that you know they start off in in the bedroom and they go down, they catch a bus, and then they're in the in the street and that, you know, so I, I think for them it wasn't as complicated as it was for, for the rest of us because they could, um, 
you know, it was more more just a day in the life of kind of story for the characters and, and the actors. So I, I I think I mean we we talked about one thing that we did talk about was perspective um, because you know that's something we play around with in Crossing Bars. There's there's one part in particular where I really pushed that where um, one of the male characters Poe uh, walks past uh, another character Bella and he and we shoot it like a romantic comedy where he sees her and he you know he just his eyes light up and he's just you know he's fallen in love like a those old um, impulse deodorant commercials from the you know from the 90s and he follows her and you know he's, he's kind of dancing walking on air and he floats after her up this um, alleyway and, and kind of you know as if he, he's going to find her and tell her how beautiful she is or you know and and so we shot that very much as a romantic comedy saturated colors and, and all that kind of thing and then we for her story, she's walking down the street and this guy is just staring at her and, and it's really creepy and he's just kind of not taking his eyes off her and she's going, okay, this is this is weird. And she she kind of notices that he's, he's still watching her as she walks away. So she ducks down an alleyway to tr- get away from him and he starts following her and she starts to get really worried and, and we, we shot that more like a kind of a thriller. We desaturated the colours, we used quite ominous music and we, we shot, you know, we borrowed all the tropes from from romantic comedies and thrillers and and, and used them to kind of push those two storylines apart to show that you know the same experience or the same kind of uh, activity can be can be two completely different experiences for for two different people and so that was a really um, fun thing to discuss with the actors and and to, to you know and, and how we shot it was really fun and, and then composing the music for you know the whole way through uh, was was you know that was probably the most, that those kind of decisions were, were probably the most interesting in terms of those discussions with the actors and things. Yeah. Yeah. And in a lot of ways you are playing with so many different genres as well. You've got the thriller, mm. you've got the romantic comedy, you've got the stoner comedy as well. <laughs> too. Yeah. And then, you know, the relationship drama as well. That's really, that seems like a pretty exciting thing to be able to do as a director. Uh, was that something you really enjoyed kind of dabbling in the different genres? Yes, definitely, because, you know, often when you're writing a, a normal, you know, traditional linear piece of story, you, you've you got to be so careful with tone and, and staying consistent to the tone. And, of course, you can introduce different types of tone at different points, but you have to be so mindful of that. Whereas with this, it was it was really fun just to have, um, you know, each character could have their own tone. You know, there's one character who who um, is asking everyone for money in the story, and she if you don't start with her story, you don't know why she's, you know, she just seems like someone who, you know, is asking for money because maybe she's after, you know, she's trying to get some booze or drugs or, you know, and you don't, the way we kind of shot it is that on the comedic, when you're following the comedic characters, she just seems like this throwaway character that that the the other characters kind of laugh about or fob off or whatever. Um, But when you follow her story, it's much more serious and, and you, you learn the reason that she's asking for money is quite, you know, she's in a lot of trouble. And so that was a deliberate case of, of introducing two completely different tones and, and seeing what happens when they interact. Cause you might switch from the comedy version to, to her story and then back again. And so I didn't know if that was going to work. I didn't know if that was going to jar or, and that was part of the, you know, why I was interested in, in just trying this to see um, what would happen. Yeah. So when people sit down in the cinema, what do they what's the first thing that they're going to see? Is it a random choice or are you personally going to select the scene that they're going to start with? No, it'll be random. It'll, um, it will, 
kick off the way it, the, the current version that we've got does. So it'll just, you know, go back and forth between the 12 characters and then just randomly choose one of those characters. I did think about having some little sneaky hand in, in directing it um, to my favourite <laughs> characters or my favourite director, but I thought, no, that's that's very disingenuous. I, and, um, uh, and that's part of the excitement. You know, we've got two screenings at the festival and they're going to be completely different because, you know, we don't know where it's going to start and we don't know which way the, the audience is going to want the story to go. And one of, one of the best things about the, uh, about Crossing Paths that I found, and, and this was unexpected, is that when I watch it with an audience, I, I realise that the the enjoyment from the audience increases the more times that, that you watch it through. So I think the first time it plays through, because it doesn't really end, so when it plays through the first time, the audience is like, oh, okay, that's really interesting. And then they're like, okay, let's watch it again. And then when you start to watch it the second time, you're like, oh, so they were right, so that person and you see people start to join the dots, and then the, the third version, everyone's like, okay, well, let, let's follow that character because I want to know why they would, you know. And, and you just see the audience being more and more involved, more and more invested in the story. And, um, and it's, it's, it's great to watch because then by the time you stop it, everyone's kind of, oh, you know, they want to keep going. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I see that both of the screenings are sold out, so congratulations for that. Oh, it's, thank you. It's really good to see, um, you know, that Sydney Film Festival has just been – what a lineup of films! It's really exciting. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm going to spend that whole period just in in a dark room watching films. Yeah, yeah. Is, mm. is there anything that you're particularly keen on catching? Um, the um Pedro Amaldivar's new film. Um, definitely Ash Ashkar Faradi. I think is, is the um, Iranian director. Um, very excited. I love all his films. So. I don't I know nothing about it, but I, I can't wait to see that. Um, just, just all uh, the thing I, love, I always love the Sydney Festival because you watch films that you would never see normally, or if you did, you'd see them at home. But you get to see these, you know, films from countries that you've never been to, that you know little about the, the culture or the history, and you you're just thrown into this world for an hour and a half, and you you walk away. You know, even if it's not a great film, you still just this little part of the world opens up for you. And I just love it. You know, I, I try and see as many films as I can. It's, um, you know, I, that period of the year, it's normally obviously in June when it's cold. And I just, that my memory of that part of the year is just associated with, with kind of traveling, you know, in, in a weird kind of way and sitting rugged up in a cinema watching, all, you know, Romanian police dramas and all kinds, you know, just all these crazy foreign films. Yeah, there's that connection you have with strangers in a cinema is just mm. oh, and, yeah. And, yeah, it's it's unparalleled. Like you you yeah. You can't feel that anywhere else and then coming no, out and being giving each other the look of like what did we just experience? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. When it's a really powerful film, you see that everyone, everyone just looking at each other like, Wow, that was amazing. And the you know, the state theatre I just think is when that's full and it's a, and you've just seen a great film, it it's you know, I I can't Imagine there are many cinemas of that scale anywhere in the world, you know, that, that that many people come together to watch a film. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm based in Perth, so I haven't had the joy of being oh, able right. to attend the uh, go to Sydney Film Festival, but I'm really glad that this year I'm able to at least appreciate it from afar by talking to filmmakers like yourself. And <laughs> I just had a chat to Ben Lawrence before, so I'm really oh. excited about the uh, Australian films that are being screened because... Uh, you know, one of the best things about Sydney Film Festival is they do really get behind Australian cinema. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fantastic. 
Well, thank you so much for your time being able to talk oh, about uh, both June Again and Crossing Paths. And I, I just want to say thank you again for June Again. I think it is a, I've watched it a couple of times and I think it is a really great film. So yeah, congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, the ending of that film just knocks me off my feet. It's just a, <laughs> like a, it's it's expected, but it was also unexpected. So um, yeah, it's nice. I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. That was director JJ Winlove talking about his Sydney Film Festival experience, Crossing Paths, which, again, uh, both of the sessions are sold out, but keep an eye in case some of the tickets open up for both the 6th of November and the 13th of November at sff.org.au. And if you haven't seen June again, please check it out. I interviewed Stephen Curry earlier in the year as well, as mentioned there, and I think this is a really beautiful, wonderful film that I I think a lot of people would appreciate, uh, just like they would appreciate Crossing Paths. Make sure to keep an eye on the website too. We've done a whole bunch of interviews over the past week uh, that have really celebrated the, the diversity of display on uh, that's on display at the Sydney Film Festival from Ben Lawrence, from John Bell with his short film The Mugai, and of course Crossing Paths too. And Nisha Ann has done some excellent interviews as well. So head over to the curb.com.au to check out those interviews and check out some reviews as well and a whole bunch more. And follow us on social media, The Curb AU, on both Facebook and on Twitter. And, of course, we wouldn't be able to do this particular podcast or this website if it weren't for Patreon supporters. So patreon.com forward slash The Curb AU, as little as a dollar a month, really helps keep this website nice and independent. All right, folks, hope you're staying safe and looking after each other, and we will see you on the next one. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Safeway. Head into Safeway and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 31st. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary.